This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Thanks so much for joining us. Advent has begun, and you're wondering why there aren't many Advent teachings this year. Well, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks in December talking about things Advent and some activities, but right now I've just felt this call and urge and um, a distraction, I think is what I feel it is, but it's a reminder that this is a season for all of us, that weird things happen, don't you think? We overspend, we overeat, we overtalk, we overdo, we just overdo. We say aloud that Jesus is the reason for the season, and we do add on some spiritual practices during the season, but a lot of the stuff that happens during the next five weeks that begins in the end of November. And of course, Christmas lights and trees and packages have all been in the stores since October. What happens to us? I think we get caught up. And there are beautiful Hallmark stories that remind you what love really looks like. And there are commercials selling you things that you think your children and grandchildren would be happy with. Uh, Yada, 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 yada. So I've been taking some time to talk about other things. I've talked about the Beatitudes and the practical application of those Beatitudes. Donna, what are you thinking? You have too many things to do at Christmas time. I guess that's what I want you to think about, other things than the normal celebration activities, gift wrapping, partying, eating, baking. Oh, they're lovely activities. But don't let them get in the way. Don't take the next five weeks and say, I'm just going to put life on hold with Jesus, and go on having all this merriment. It's exhausting, isn't it? Well, I thought uh, and remembered a comment that I made now 25 years ago. I was doing a radio interview live. I was in studio, and the man who was interviewing me was lovely and had a wonderful reputation, a large network behind him, He was talking about one of my books, and I was happy to do that. And then there was this pause, and he said, well, you deal with women, and you work with women all the time. Can you tell me what you think woman's greatest sin is? Now, I'm just saying that word. I can tell you that what happened to me in that moment happens to me every time I repeat it, and I haven't talked about this in years. I froze, and then I got mad. I thought, Hey, guy, you just asked me a question and nobody knows the answer to. And what am I going to say? Whatever I'm going to say is not going to be like accurate, can't be accurate. And of course, I was thinking about myself. So let's go back to the Beatitudes. And what is it when I start to think about myself instead of others? Blessed are the peacemakers because I want to be at peace, not compete with my brothers. So I paused. I said, Lord, I don't know what to say, but tell me what to say. And the word that came out of my mouth still stands. It's not the woman's greatest sin, but it's 
our sin. It's a sin that I think has more and more control over. So you're dying to find out what the word is. Comparison. Comparison. Romans 12.3 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Try to have a sane estimate, sane estimate of the capabilities God has given you. Jesus is talking to us in the Gospels, and he's saying, do you have an estimate of what it takes to lay down your life for Christ? Or will you be like one of those guys who wants to build the tower? And he says, let's go build a tower. And he starts to build the tower. And he gets halfway up and he can't build the rest of it because he doesn't have enough equipment. That's happening a lot in our culture, isn't it? Let's build a new house, but we can't get the wood. And we can't get the appliances. We have to have an estimate of what it's going to cost us. What does it cost to serve Christ? What does it cost to think of others more importantly than yourself? The cost is to not engage in comparing yourself to anyone else or letting someone compare you to them. Recently, very recently, someone said in a very half-handed way, oh, Donna, she can do anything. She's doing everything all the time. And I froze. I thought to myself, I really don't like that. What is it I don't like about that? Well, first of all, I don't like it because it's not true. But then I paused long enough to realize I kind of set her up for that. I've kind of been proving to myself and the rest of the world that I can do a lot of things, and I can. God has given me an incredible capacity. But I also know when that capacity is overspent. So beware of the deadly role of comparison. And I do think that women do this a little more than men do, but we all do it. You know, if I was blonde, if I was thin, if I was creative, if I was married to her husband, if I had as much money, or if I knew the Bible as well, it just goes on and on and on and on. If I had, I would be. So I want to give you five little things today, very briefly. One, comparing to others distracts from the truth. Comparing to others distracts from the truth. Don't compare to what other person's Christmas tree looks like or the lights they put on the house or how the packages look. Avoid it. Compare yourself to someone else you miss the entire message of what God has created in you. I'll never forget my little girl. She was nine or ten years old, and she's in the back seat, and she starts talking and and. Ruthie said it, no, I said it, no, no. And I, I thought to myself, everyone wants to say, if it was up to them, well, she does that, so, so can I. Or if she does that, I, I can get away with it too. Comparison is a trick we use when we need to face the truth and say, Mom, I shouldn't have had all said that. Now, she was nine or ten. I'm asking you. How many times do you say, hmm, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have ought to bought that. shouldn't have always pushed myself to do all that. Comparisons. The deadly role in comparing ourselves to others distracts us from the truth of who we are. Secondly, comparison causes us not to appreciate the uniqueness of who we are. Nothing chips away at our self-confidence like scanning how others compare to you. 
When I settle daily on the fact that I am who I am, how he made me, I'm not like others, I keep my eyes off of others, I can appreciate how God made me. Oh, yes, oh, yes, certainly. But then if I say I want to be thinner, why do I want to be thinner? What model says I want to be thinner? Well, I often say I want to be thinner because I want to be energetic. I want to have enough energy to do the things that I want to do. But that doesn't mean I want to be twiggy. That means I just want to be energetic enough to do what God has given me. And when I estimate the tasks that he's given me, I want to be that person. Thirdly, comparison gets us off the point. Uh, All of a sudden, I'm thinking about, I'm talking Christmas now. I'm thinking about packages under the tree. And I, if you have ever seen the Home for Christmas videos, which I'm very proud of, but there's a section in there that we talk about gift wrapping. And uh, one year I did gift wrapping, I, I wrapped about 40 packages all in different ways, giving women a visual, M&Ms, someone's name, newspaper, inside out clothes. It was really fun. But the reality is the package If you wrap it all in the same paper and put some scotch tape on it, that's enough. It doesn't have to have a beautiful bowl. It doesn't have to compare with everybody else's. Be sure that the comparison of how the package looks doesn't get you off the point of what the package is. God does not do duplicity. I remember dear Barbara Bush, who still wears her faux pearls. And people were saying, well, she's a little overweight, She's not as well-dressed as the predecessor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that wonderful, wonderful Robert Fulgram quote, which I have so many times comes to my mind. They're playing the game giants and dwarfs. Well, the giants go over here and the dwarfs go over there. And a little person comes up to the coach and says, where do the mermaids go? And the coach says, oh, honey, there are no mermaids. And she says, yes, there are. I are one. <laughs> are you a mermaid? Well, be a mermaid. Don't, don't try to be a giant or dwarf. It gets off the point. Fourthly, comparison robs you of the opportunity to see how God uses you. God uses all of us, and he uses all of us differently. That's why we're all different. That's why there aren't two of us who are alike. If I compare myself to others, I set them as the model or the standard. <clears throat> I I think it's wonderful to have trends and fashion and housing and trends and trends. But I think it's all the more wonderful to sit around a group of women and to look at each one of them dressed differently, wearing different ideas and different colors because they like it, because they want it, because they can afford it, because they have time for it, whatever it is, but not to be compared to others. Hebrews 11 talks about the heroes of the faith from Noah to Joshua. We talk about biographies here on Modern Homemakers books all the time, men and women who've gone before us. Peter Kreeft, who says, we stand on the shoulders of those men and women who've gone before us. When I first had my first hero worship in the faith, I wanted to know how she lived for God, tell me how you do it. If I'd had my yellow pad and she had been willing, uh, she would have said I get up at 512 and I thought, okay, I'll get up at 512. She would have none of that. And it turned out I had to find myself for that. And lastly, beware of comparing yourself with your own expectation. And I'll never forget 
um, this, this very significant thing that happened to me in the first time it happened to me. I turned 35 years old. That's some years ago. And I woke up in the morning, literally woke up in the morning, and I said to myself, oh, I'm not like Mrs. Schaefer. Now, Mrs. Schaefer was my fifth grade teacher. <laughs> Pretty long time away from being 35 years old. But Mrs. Schaefer had an image about her. Um, not only did she wear her hair, black and white, salt and pepper hair tied up in a bow, bun, ponytail kind of thing. Fifth grade, that was a long time ago. She was kind. She helped me and she talked to me about things that no one at my house was talking to me about. And I epitomized her. And she was 35 years old when I was in the fifth grade. And the morning I woke up and I was 35 years old, and the first thing I thought, not, oh my, look, I'm like Mrs. Schaefer. No, no, I'm not like her. I was about to condemn myself. And I can still remember the Lord saying, no, you're not. You're most like yourself. I'm grateful for that. There are a lot of days I'm not most like myself. But my deep desire is that I would grow and live and die being as much like myself as God created me to be. And I hope that you will consider the same. So during this Christmas season of 2021, when there are a lot of ways that are set before us, with all those smiling, happy faces in every commercial, in every magazine, in every catalog. You don't have to know it's Christmas by the calendar. Just go to the mailbox and you'll know it's Christmas. The catalogs are coming. Remember that God created you individually and unique, and there's no one like you in the world. And he needs you to do what he's called you to do. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day by being yourself.